This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. New American Standard translates that as, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, or alternatively, all who work to exhaustion. Do you ever read that and wonder, huh, wonder who in the world he could be talking to? Sometimes I feel like some verses waited 2,000 years for me to read them. It's easy to get busy in this world, isn't it? I've heard it said that if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Now, Satan can't make you uh, do anything, but the sentiment is that he will strive to make you ineffective for the Lord with busyness. 2 Corinthians Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And so today I thought we'd just consider a number of questions to do just that, to examine ourselves, to reflect uh, upon our hearts. And and to that end, obviously, I can't know what's in each one of y'all's hearts any better than y'all can know what's in mine. But we will consider some questions and uh, you can judge for yourselves. Um, where you may perchance stand with any of this. But Jesus knows we get tired. The song, Jesus Knows, Jesus Cares, is accurate. And Jesus knows we get tired. He knows we sometimes get wore out. Some days, it's just one of those days, isn't it? Sometimes, it's just one of those weeks or one of those months. And you may feel that it's been, it's been one of those years. And you may feel like it's been one of those years for the past couple of years. Paul shares with us some of his experiences in his letter to the church in Corinth, second letter, regarding all the stuff that he's experienced says, in labors, says, many or more abundant. A lot of labors, Paul says. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys 
and we know this, journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, and in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Verse 27 of chapter 11, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, and besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Well, it sounds like Paul's been there. I mean, just, just the beatings alone, right? You'd think, you think he's got to get tired of those beatings. You know, that's not, I don't think you get used to that. You know, I, I don't know about you. I, I really hate, just hate getting sick, like, you know, in a bucket. And as, I, I never get used to that, right? It's like, you know, that, that feeling, that nausea, that queasiness, and I get that yeah, cold sweat, and it's like, oh, no, I, I don't want to go through this. Not again. I hate going through this. I wonder what it was like for Paul. Was it like that for Paul? I, I don't know. But, you know, I can just see, well, you know, you're sentenced to, you know, another beating with rods or something. Oh, not, not the rods again. I, I hate the rods. You know, you know, what happened? What was it like, you know, that, that seventh or eighth beating or that ninth, be, you know, the stoning, all of those. It's like, oh, man, you think he got tired of that? I think he probably got tired of a lot of that. And it's not just that. I mean, it's just the sheer work, right? The labor, the toil he writes about. He reminds the church in Thessalonica, for you remember, brethren, our labor and our toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. He reminds them of this again in his second letter to them. So he's really, he's really trying to hammer it all. You remember we worked like dogs for y'all, right? You remember that? So that y'all could hear the word of God and not have any distraction from our needs on you. Selfless labor. He worked night and day for years. Do you feel burdened? Do you ever feel weighed down, tired, wore out? Do you ever feel like on a Wednesday you don't know if you can make it to Friday? How are you making it? Are you dragging yourself across the finish line every day? You ever listen to yourself? What are you telling yourself? Do you ever just stop and stop? I mean, because you know, you know, how we, we we just say things in our heads all day long, and you're stopping just just listen to what what, what am I telling myself? Yeah. 
Are you telling yourself you uh, don't have enough time, that you need more time? Are you telling yourself that you need more money or more strength? Not strong enough. You need more health or youth. <laughs> you need more knowledge. That's a big one in our society. You know, it's knowledge, it's power, right? I, I just need, I need more knowledge. I need more training. I, need, I just need to be plumb smarter. That's it. I just need to be flat out smarter. I need more skill. I don't have the skills that I need. I need more experience. What? What is it that you think you need? Paul needed to get rid of a thorn in the flesh, as he called it. We don't know what it is. That's beautiful that we don't know what it is. A lot of people try to get distracted by trying to figure that out. It's like, no, it's not there for a reason, so that we can identify with having the thorn in the flesh. And lest I should be exalted above measure, Paul writes, by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. How about that for a gift? A messenger of Satan to buffet me. It just buffet just means beat. It's beating. It's another beating, Paul. Lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. God, this is what I need. This is what I need, please. This is what I need. This is what, this is what the work needs. This is what my family needs. And God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. There's two opposites here at play. There's Paul's exaltation, and there's God's exaltation. Maybe, maybe what I'm tired of is just trying to, simple as just, just trying to do it all. Maybe I'm just tired of trying to be it all. Maybe, it, maybe it's as simple as I'm just tired of trying to be great. God is much better at being great than we are. So why don't we just leave that to Him? And if we give up being great, trying to be great, Maybe we can see more clearly to say, I think I'll take that grace now. In 1935, Thomas O. Chisholm penned these lines of the famous hymn and one of my favorites. Be with me, Lord. I cannot live without thee. 
I dare not try to take one step alone. I cannot bear the loads of life unaided. I need thy strength to lean myself upon. So regarding all those wearisome experiences, Paul concludes this. He says, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. What do we need? What is it that we think we need? God's grace is sufficient. It is enough. What we need is the Lord's strength. Love the psalmist. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Jesus promised us difficulty. Enter by the narrow gate, he says. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. <clears throat> because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. He also says, Behold, the hour is coming, and is indeed come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Jesus is telling his apostles about what's fixing to happen to him. He says, Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that you may, in me, you may have peace. But he tells them, In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. For I have overcome the world. The Lord knows the difficulties we face. And His grace provides both strength and rest. And Jesus sends out his disciples, his apostles. And so they went out, Mark chapter 6, they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. So they, they go out, they're laboring in the fields. Right? Fishing for men. <clears throat> and now they've come back to Jesus. And he said to them, and they're, they're reporting everything they've done. They've been busy. And he says to them this, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Rest a while. 
for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Have you ever been there? I, I've been there. Michaela, she's so sweet. She, she brings me food. And I can't tell you how many meals, especially in the past couple of years, I have eaten at my desk because I just didn't have time or didn't think I had time to eat. Jesus says, take time to rest. You've got it. Take it. Also consider, are we trying to do too much? It's possible. We ought to think about that from time to time. Am I just trying to do too much? Does everything really have to be done by me or by you? Does it really have to be done? Does everything really have to go through you? You can overwork yourself. Being overworked is a thing. And it's not a good thing. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening, morning until evening, waiting in line. And so when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said, to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. It's a good work. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. That sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing you do is not good. Both you, he says, and these people who are with you, you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. So, as we, I know we've all read, Jethro prescribes that he needs to delegate some of this work. So they set up this hierarchy of, of judges. And Moses is to you know, teach the people so that they can judge these cases for themselves. And the difficult ones then can make their way to him. I wonder... I wonder why, you know, Moses spoke with God, you know, face to face like a man talks with his friend. I wonder, did Moses go back to God? God, why didn't, why didn't you just tell me? You know? And maybe, maybe God's response would have been, I just did, through Jethro. 
Hear the voice of wisdom, church. Hear it. Moses still had work to do, right? He didn't just hang up his hat. Y'all have got this now. I'm, I'm retired. He still had work to do, but he wasn't trying to do it all. So Jesus expects us to work. Jesus expects us to not try to do it all. It's not all about us anyways. And he expects us to rest. And he expects us then to return to the work after resting for a while. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Which brings me to the question, whose work are we working? James writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and so lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-ambition, selfish ambition or self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Whose work are you working? It's just a question, right? It's just a question, but it's meant, you know, to probe our hearts, to reconsider all that I do. Is it is it the Lord's work, or am I trying to achieve my own ambitions, my own goals in this life? Paul writes to the Galatians, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, hearsays, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I have told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let us consider the work, whose work we are doing. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Godliness, Paul says to Timothy, with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So work the works of God, for night is coming when no one can work. Well, you know, Paul, Paul understood this. He, you know, he saw the, the writing on the wall for himself, in a sense. He wrote that to Timothy, right? He's closing out the letter. He says, you know, do the work of an evangelist, Timothy. Fulfill your ministry. You, you know, get out there and, and, and do it. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, he says. I have finished, I have fought, sorry. And the time of my departure is at hand. He knows his time is short. We are here for a little while. And then like a vapor, we vanish away. I have fought the good fight, he says. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Just a short time is all we've got to work the works of the Lord. To press on for what He has given us to do. In His strength, in His joy, sustained by His power. His, because His grace is sufficient. And Paul doesn't end it like that, does he? He points to the hope that we have. He points to what's on the other side of the finish line, isn't there? It's not just the finish line. It's, it's what's on the other side. He says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's what's, that's what's waiting for us, <clears throat> right? It's the end of the day. The labor is done. The labor, church, will be done for us at some point. This doesn't go on forever. At one point, the work day ends. We've said our last word. We've done our last deed We've swung our last hammer. I've typed my last keystroke. There's a developer that is, uh, he writes a lot of stuff. And he says, you know, you can think about it as like, you only have so many keystrokes in you. For us, I mean, we, we spend a lot of time at that keyboard. So it's, a, it's probably kind of a big number, but... I've only got so many. 
right? What am I typing? What are we hammering? We've only got so much, but it completes. It completes, and there is laid up for us a crown of righteousness. I really appreciate Phil's opening remarks about what is the the great banquet, the wedding supper that awaits. It's real. It's not a dream. It's not a philosophical idea, some squishy nebulous concept. We will not be like this forever. We will be changed. We will be caught up to be with the Lord. We will be like Him. Almost as unspeakable as that sounds, that He will have prepared us as His bride. And there will be a grand wedding supper, celebration, the glories of which we can't hope to even understand at this point. We can make it. We can make it. Jesus tells us this to encourage us to know that, hey, this is on the other side. I really appreciate how Paul closes out Timothy. After having said all of this, the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. It's like, you know, it's like if it was me, I'd be like, you know, that last period, it's like, okay, done. Sit back. I'm going to take it easy. I'm just going to wait. Wait for the departure. Wait for the train to get here. But no, <laughs> I mean, after having said all of this, Paul says that, yeah, I, 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 I'm Timothy, my, you know, the, the sun is setting on my time here. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't retire, right? He says to Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, <clears throat> Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I have uh, left with Carpus at Troas when you come. And the books, bring those two, especially the parchments. Paul's not done. <laughs> he is a busy man. He is saying, oh yeah, it's, uh, this is about done for me. But, but he's not hanging up his hat yet. As long as there is breath in Paul, he's working for the Lord. Do your utmost to, to come before winter. Hurry, he says. We got work to do. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, he says to Timothy at last. Grace be with you. Amen.
Paul does not intend to coast across the finish line. Peter writes, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Keep that in mind every day as we labor and as we toil. Keep that in, that hope in the forefront of our mind. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, says Jesus. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. That's the end. To be with the Lord. And the, and the sufferings of this present time, the toil and the work, the burdens... Not worthy, Paul says, not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. God will wipe away all tears. So, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the Hebrew writer writes, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We can make it. God is with us. His Spirit dwells in us. His grace is sufficient. If anything was, God's grace is. If you're here this morning and the salvation of Jesus sounds like a really good deal, it is. No strings attached. It's a good day, church. Today is the day the Lord has made. We can rejoice and be glad in it. If you need the prayers of the church, if you need to be baptized, please come forward as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479 647 2658. May God bless you.